This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast and today I am sharing my insights from my three-week vacation in UK and Europe where I stayed in four different accommodation types in four locations. And I'm going to talk about the good, the bad, and I would talk about the ugly, but there wasn't anything ugly. But uh, I think you'll find some really good insights in this episode. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm really delighted to be back on Canadian soil again after a wonderful three-week vacation visiting the friends and family that I haven't seen for three years, in fact. In fact, my relatives in Germany uh, I hadn't seen for four years. I've got a new grandson that was born two years ago. Um, So I was going to meet him for the first time and my son, Mike, and his wife, Andrea, and the kids were coming out from Canada as well. So we we were planning on getting everybody together in one place in Germany for a week. So before that, I visited UK and visited some of our relatives there. Uh, In fact, my stepson, stepdaughter, and all the grandchildren there. And then, of course, we moved on on to Germany. So... We stayed over the course of the just under three weeks, we stayed in four different locations in four different accommodation types. And it wasn't planned that way. It, uh, it, it, it just so happened that, you know, we had different needs at different times. So we selected the accommodation to meet those needs. And it just turned out that they were all very different. So I wanted to use this episode to share my reflections on those places that we stayed in and to talk about, you know, the the, the great things about them because each one of them had such great features. They had great amenities. I'm patting myself on the back here because I think I really, really chose well. But there were a couple of things with each one. And in fact, there's a couple of common elements that all of these accommodation types, all of these locations were missing and they are so easy. And I, and I figured, my goodness, if there's four of them that are missing these things, then this may be reflective of many, many others that are missing these very simple things that would make life so much easier for a traveler. And I love staying in short-term rentals. I hate hotels. I really hate them with a vengeance. And I know when I go to, uh, I go to conferences and we end up having to stay in a hotel and I sort of count the days to getting out of the place because I, I like the space. I like, I like to be able to, um, sit in a room that is not the bedroom, uh, which is probably all you get in a hotel. I like to be able to cater for myself. And kitchens are extremely important to me because I actually don't eat out very much. Having said that, on this vacation, we did eat out tremendously, a tremendous amount. 
Um, we had pub lunches, and I can count out of the three weeks, we had four pub lunches, three at the beginning, four, well, one at the end, and I'll, I'll tell you in more detail about the ending pub lunch because that was really special, down to the company we kept at that lunch. So you'll have to hang on till then. But yes, we, we had several pub lunches in Germany, in Berlin. We spent uh, four, four nights in Berlin and went out to eat a couple of times because, as I will mention, the accommodation there was more apart hotel you know, A-P-A-R-T hotel, apartment type hotel, rather than a, a conventional short-term rental. Um, so it's that cross between apartment, um, condo and, and hotel. And I hadn't done that before. So that was quite an interesting one. So, you know, just very briefly, these are the different types of accommodation we stayed in. So the first one was in a tiny little village called Blisworth in Northampton, in England. Now, Northampton is just about the middle of, of England. Uh, it's, it's a delightful area of you know, farmland, rolling countryside, and just beautiful English countryside, actually, and just scattered with pubs everywhere. And just one of those things I love when we go back to UK is to go and sit in a pub garden and have a traditional pub lunch. And as I mentioned, we did have numerous pub lunches. So in Northampton, we were visiting family and we were not staying with family. I, I always prefer to stay locally and independently rather than staying in somebody's house. It's just a thing I've got. I don't like staying in other people's houses, regardless of how, you know, even my family, I'd prefer to go into a short-term rental or even into a guest house of some sort. So we chose a small place because there were just the two of us at that point. Uh, we chose a small place just out about, about 10 minutes away from my stepdaughter's house. And it was a small cottage on the owner's property. And the owner's property was absolutely magnificent. It was just a really big old building in on, you know, on the outskirts of the village of Blissworth. You know, if you ever get to go to England... This is one of the more undiscovered parts. It's where there's canals and, you know, canal boats and houseboats and things. And it's, it's just quite idyllic. Lots of, lots of walking trails, which I absolutely love. And of course, did I mention there's lots of pubs too? Uh, so <laughs> we found this um, little property and I have not been to a vacation rental before where the owners have been in such close proximity. So they lived in their property and the cottage was, well, they called it the annex, which was a little barn conversion, just steps away from their house. However, when we were inside of it, and it had big, big windows that opened right up, you know, there's one of those sliding doors that you can open the whole set of doors back and you just have this, this glorious view and it was out into an orchard and the vegetable garden and a paddock with some sheep and some chickens. It was absolutely idyllic. And outside there was a nice patio with outside furniture and a hot tub and plenty of places to sit and just enjoy. And I'll, I'll come to this later on because this is something that's really important to, to ensure that you have, if you have outside spaces, to make sure that it's really comfortable for people, particularly when, when it's hot. We got to Blisworth on the hottest recorded day in England ever. 
so something like 41 degrees. I'm not sure what that uh, that translates itself t- into um, into US speak, into Fahrenheit, but I think it's, you know, it's well over 100 and not something that they're really used to in England. So naturally there was no air conditioning in this in this cottage but the owner had provided that she provided one fan and then she told us on that day we arrived i've ordered another fan it will be with you shortly and that was really lovely which meant we didn't have to be moving the fan around from a living area to a bedroom area however you know the place wasn't advertised with air conditioning so i hadn't expected it anyway but what what I you know was a little bit unusual for me was to have the property owner so close that every time we went out, we went to the car, uh, they were sitting out on their patio and and we got chatting with them. And I have to say, I it was they were the most delightful couple and their hospitality was beyond compare. I don't think I've ever come across that sort of hospitality before. I'm going to go back to that in uh, in a in a second. When I talk about some of the things that, um, no, I'll talk about it now. Maybe I'll talk about it now. Um, So just to give you an example of the hospitality, as I said, we visited Phil's son, who's in an assisted living home. Um, James sadly had um, a number of strokes uh, a couple of years ago, was severely ill, um, has a heart condition too. Poor guy's only in his 40s. But he's wheelchair bound. So, and he wanted to come and look and see where we we're staying. So, Phil's daughter was very happy to come take a look as well. She also has a daughter who is in a wheelchair, and there's another daughter and a husband. So, there's five of them, five of them, two in wheelchairs, piled into their car, and and they drove over to see us. Now, we had asked the owner if if this would be okay. Would it be okay if the if if the family came across and and just shared uh, a drink with us on the property. And they could not have been more helpful. You know, can we bring you drinks? Can we fire up the barbecue for you? You know, and when they heard that we had the wheelchairs, you know, you can drive the car over the grass, park right outside the house so you can get the wheelchairs out easily and you don't have to push them across the gravel. They went over and above to be hospitable. And to to make it very clear that they were so happy to have us there in their property. Now, these, this couple had only been renting a year. They rent entirely on Airbnb. They haven't gone into direct booking yet, although I am moving them in that direction, obviously. And one of the reasons why we, we got talking about direct booking was that a couple of weeks previously, they had been shut down by Airbnb out of the blue and with no explanation given. It was just shut down. And then after numerous calls to Airbnb, they discovered that the guests the previous weekend had complained about invasion of privacy. And they had asked for a refund and said it was it was not acceptable that their privacy had been invaded. And I looked at, you know, I looked at our hosts and I thought, you know, I, how can you invade somebody's privacy? You're just too nice. And apparently what had happened was that these guests were not going to be arriving until about uh, 10 o'clock at night. So uh, because Michelle had asked what time they'd be arriving, they said around 10 o'clock. And she had sent a message back via the Airbnb platform and said, well, we'll be out this 
on on that evening and we'll get back about 10.30. I always like to welcome my guests personally and I'll pop round and say hello when I get back. So when they got back from their uh, day trip, Michelle and her husband parked the car and Michelle walked straight over. It was 10.30 at night. The lights were on in the property and she knocked on the door and the guest arrived, came to the door, seemingly not very happy at being disturbed. And she simply said, you know, sorry to disturb you. I did say I'd pop around and just make sure you have everything you wanted. And apparently he was a bit brusque and said, yes, we got everything and closed the door. And she didn't really talk to them much again after that. And then after they left, she gets her complete Airbnb account closed down. Took her two weeks to get it back up again. And I, I didn't really follow up on, on the refund, but I, I understand that there was some significant refund that Airbnb provided to this guest because of his, air quotes, invasion of privacy, because this wonderful host wanted to make sure that they had everything they needed. I, I was horrified, absolutely horrified. And I know, you know, this isn't the first time I've heard of this. Um, I've heard of Airbnb just shutting down something because of something a guest has said with no redress uh, on behalf of the owner. The owner isn't able to find out, you know, what happened or do any form of rebuttal. So I had a chat with her and I said, you know, this is really a reason not to put all your eggs in one basket. You've got to think about different ways of marketing the property and, uh, she said, you know, I've only been doing this a year. I had no idea about how to do it. Somebody told me that Airbnb was a way to go and it had worked for her up till then. But, uh, but I think, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to her over the next um, couple of weeks, I think, and uh, helping her to figure out a, a way of, you know, even if she doesn't have her own website, but a way of taking bookings uh, alternatively to Airbnb. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. There were, as I say, you know, with all these properties, there were a couple of shortcomings. And I'm going to come to that later. But with this one, I am definitely going back. We are booking, we are booking direct with her uh, for next year for when we go back and visit the family. So it was, it was a great start to, to the vacation. It really was. Oh, one thing I should mention, because I know some of my listeners are out there. They're just sitting on the edge of their seats wanting to know if these places had kettles. Of course they did. This is England. Of course there was a kettle. There were kettles in Germany. And there were kettle, there was a kettle on the way back when we stayed in a, in, in a guest house in uh, Hawley in Surrey as well, just, just near Gatwick airport. The only thing I, you know, I also meant Michelle did say to me, is there anything that I could have done better? And I said, really? No, you know, your hospitality is second to none. Uh, and I just mentioned that the fry pan could probably do with replacing. You know, it was one of those that probably they'd had it since they started to rent and, and it was nearing the end of its days. That frying pan was replaced the following day. And, oh, the other thing I also mentioned, and I think this is something that everybody needs to think about when you're buying towels, that the bath towels are really, imp- it's really important to get a decent size of bath towel I'm, I'm not going to say too much here because my husband does the editing of this podcast, but let's say he's a little bit more amply proportioned than I am. And the, uh, the, the little bath towel was 
he had a little bit of a struggle um, to. I'm so sorry, Phil. I shouldn't be saying this. We had a bit of a bit of a struggle getting it all the way around his around his waist. But you know those size of bath towels. So I, I'd mentioned that to Michelle as well, and you know she's she had those on order. She had larger bath towels on order that same day. So I have no problem in recommending that place. If anybody's going to Northampton, let me know. You need to stay there. It is gorgeous. So the second one we stayed at was, uh, as I mentioned, it's a Berlin apart hotel. Uh, so it was one of these when, that was self-accessed. So we, we arrived at, after midnight. Um, our flight was delayed out of, out of Heathrow uh, into Berlin. Um, so we arrived, I think, about half past midnight, about quarter to one. Really, really easy access from a touchpad outside you know, you just touch the pad, it asked for your name, asked for the password, and, the, and that generated a key card, which was just brilliant. So we were able to get in there on our, our first night in Berlin. Um, really pleased with that because I wasn't quite sure what to expect. We tried to book a short-term rental in Berlin, but there, were just, there was just nothing. There was nothing available. Berlin are pretty tough on their short-term rental licenses. And, and I guess the hotels have a lot to do with it. There's a lot of hotels there. Unfortunately, most of the hotels or many of the hotels don't have family rooms. And, you know, Mike and Andrea were there with their two kids as well. And that was really difficult to find any hotel room that would have room for any more than three people. So we found this spot, which was wonderfully located. It was f- a minute or two from the Brandenburg Gate, uh, just around the corner from a U-Bahn station, and a very, very nice restaurant right next door. So it was, it was a great location. Now, we didn't know any of this until we arrived, and I'll come back to that in a second because this is a, a really important thing, that it wasn't until we arrived that we actually, I mean, we'd seen it. Um, we, we'd seen it on Google Maps. We knew where it was located, but hadn't realised, you know, how centrally located it was and how easy it was to get around from where, 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 the, um, where the apart hotel uh, was actually located. So we booked that one direct because, and, and they offered a 10% discount for booking direct. So kudos to them. And, and it was a great little apartment. It had, it had a bedroom, a separate living room with, with a studio kitchen, which had, you know, everything was very compact, but there was a, was a little cooking ring. There was a microwave, there was a kettle and there was, there was cooking stuff there. There was kitchen stuff and even a dishwasher which, yes, actually the dishwasher seemed a little bit superfluous. You know, we, we just had tea mugs and wine glasses and that sort of thing to, to wash up, so didn't use it, but it was there. And, and it was, one thing I did love about that was that it was incredibly well insulated from the other apartments up, down to either side. You could not hear a thing. And particularly as, as my family, my son and his wife and two kids were next door, and they're not known to have fairy feet. It was, it was quite nice to have that, uh, that insulation. So, so that, was, that was a great spot. It was something, you know, different. Uh, I would definitely go back to that again. And interesting, it was in the, in the way it was advertised as a boarding house. Now, to me, a boarding house is more sort of hostel-like. And we had almost written this one off because it called itself a boarding house. And of course that is, it, it, it's a, you know, it's a language issue. 
or a translation issue. Because if it had been called an apart hotel or apartment hotel, I I would have had no problem whatsoever with going straight ahead and booking. But we almost didn't because it was called a boarding house. So I don't know what you think about that. So after we'd been in Berlin a couple of days, we took the six-hour train ride to Feldberg in the Black Forest. And we'd rented a big villa because by this time there was myself and my husband, Phil, there was Mike, Andrew and the two kids, and then my eldest son and his wife and his two children joined us as well. They live in Berlin. So we took the train six hours from Berlin to uh, Freiburg. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, So much nicer than going by plane. (laughs) And I know that the the plane ride would would have been less than an hour. However, we would have had all that time waiting at the airport, having to be there two or three hours beforehand, and then having that risk of, of delay or even cancellation at this time. So we were more than happy to have that six hours on, on the train. Um, we booked seats and it was fun. It was fun for the family. So from Freiburg, we, we rented a couple of cars and we drove to a small place called um, Falkau near Feldberg, you know, right in the middle of the Black Forest. It, it was quite high up, so there were ski hills, and it, it was just perfect. And we'd booked a big villa, indoor swimming pool, oddly enough, a tiny, tiny kitchen in this in this enormous place. And it, it was just, but it was ample for all of us to enjoy. Lots of sitting out areas and... Uh, as I say, swimming pool for the kids, massive living area. We booked this one also on Airbnb because try as I might, I couldn't find this direct. So what can you do? What can you do? I, I wanted to book it direct. I wanted to to have more of, of a dialogue with the owner via email than through the Airbnb platform. And I don't know why that is. I just find it a little bit more comfortable on email, but that that's that's me. Um, so the service fee for that place was equivalent to an extra night. It was so yeah, it was twelve um, percent, I think, the service fee for what? And as a guest, I'm thinking, why am I paying this? Why am I paying this extra night, almost an extra night fee for the service of Airbnb, of which there was none? I I never have quite understood. Uh, I've never have quite understood it. Um, but then, you know, I'm I'm a direct booking enthusiast. So I, I guess I'm not going to be thinking about it in the same way as somebody who always loves to book Airbnb or booking.com or Verbo or whatever. So uh, the other plus is there. The host was really, really responsive. Uh, I had a couple of questions. Uh, we couldn't find a remote control for a TV and it was it was very dry. Um, it's a heat wave as well through Europe and uh, I'm, I'm not very comfortable about having, about having a campfire when it's that dry. But of course, we're on vacation with a firefighter. So he, he was quite fine with it. But I did, you know, I, I sent a, a quick message to the owner. I said, do you have a fire ban? Because of course we have fire bans in Ontario, you know, if, if we have two days without rain. And they'd obviously had lots of time without rain. But no, he came immediately back and said, nope, no rules against having a campfire. Just just take it, you know, be careful. Um, and there was water nearby. So it, it was just that responsiveness, very, very helpful, which I really enjoyed. So we had a great seven nights 
there. We did lots of hiking. We did lunches out, um, but we also cooked a lot. We didn't go out in the evenings. We had four kids uh, aged between 20 months and, and nine uh, you just and and of course we were in a very you know fairly rural area, so it wasn't as though we were in a a beachy area where you could just go out to a restaurant, you know, walk, stroll to a rest restaurant. We had to we had to get everybody in the vehicles, and because there were so many of us, you had to have two vehicles. So we just decided to eat in every night. Um, and I'll be I'm coming to kitchens in, in a few minutes, and uh, and we'll be talking about the kitchens at this place in uh, Falcao. Uh, finally, we stayed in, we came back to Gatwick. We had two nights, uh, purely because of all the flights being cancelled. Just, just, I, I, I did not want to risk having our flight from, um, from Frankfurt back to Gatwick, uh, back to Heathrow being cancelled because that would have impacted our, our flight going from, uh, Gatwick out to back to Canada. So we, we gave ourselves a buffer day and it also gave me the opportunity to go out for lunch with my good friend, Andy McNulty of Touch Day. And that's what we did when I said my, our fourth pub lunch and a, a really great one was, uh, was on our last night um, or on our last day uh, with Andy. And it, we, we had such a great conversation, caught up about, you know, everything that Touch Day is doing and... Uh, yeah, and the fact that the fact that we we met Andy at twelve thirty, and he came in and he's he's looking you know very fit and healthy and said, oh yeah, I ran a half marathon this morning. <laughs> he's he's training for the London Marathon, and obviously you know you always have a do a half marathon before breakfast when you're in training. So it, it was it was a lovely it was lovely to catch up with him and uh, and talk about Touch Day and talk about the fact that none of these properties that we stayed at had a digital guide. And that was the big shortcoming that I felt from them all. Not so much the, uh, the, the, the guest house in Hawley that we stayed at on the last night. That was, that was just a, a typical UK guest house. Um, we were right in the top floor, just a bedroom and a bathroom and a kettle and oh, and they they provided some nice tea bags as well, and uh, so I didn't expect much in the way of a guest guide for a sort of bed and breakfasty type of place. But the previous three, I was so surprised that there was no guest guide. I mean, this was I missed it at Blissworth, but certainly I missed it in Germany. You know, I'm in a different country. I'm not used to the public transport system. It would have been so nice to have had something on my phone that would have given me helpful tips on local public transport. You know, how to use the U-Bahn. What's the difference between the U-Bahn, the S-Bahn and all the other different trains? And I know I could have gone out and found this stuff. I mean, we did. We did go out and find this stuff ourselves. But, you know, here's here's one example that we, we bought our... Um, our tickets for the six for, for the long distance rides, which was a six-hour trip from Berlin to Freiburg, and we booked seats on on that one. But then we did a the, did a two-hour trip from Freiburg back to Frankfurt to get the plane back. And never even thought about the fact that we should book tickets on that as well. It just seemed well. This is just two hours. Why why do we need to book tickets? 
we'll find seats together. But no, you've got to book. You've got to book the seats if you want to sit together or if you want to have a seat at all. And in fact, uh, some parts of uh, of that journey, there were so many people on the train that lots of people were standing because they didn't have booked seats. So that would have been quite nice to have that information in Berlin. We were we were visiting with family, and of course, our family knew the places to go. And it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. I happened to be there with all the family, so we went to a place called Peacock Island. And I hadn't; it had never occurred to me that you know you just go one hour outside Berlin, and there's all these lakes. It's like Ontario's uh, cottage country. It's just just an area of lots and lots of lakes with all these properties dotted around them. And this place called Peacock Island was reached by we we took um we took a u-barn from from the hotel to a biggest um railway station where we met met up with my my eldest son and his family and then we took another train and then we took a bus and then we got off the bus and then we took a little ferry ride to peacock island and we had a picnic and we saw the peacocks and it was absolutely wonderful if we hadn't been with richard marika um, because they live in Berlin and they know everything, we would have had no idea that this could have been an option for a day trip. We stayed at the apart hotel, as I mentioned, and there was absolutely nothing there to help us plan our time. I think there was, you know, a, a bit like a hotel, there were a few brochures in the lobby. It would have been fantastic if they'd sent us a digital guide. Um, a month or two beforehand with some ideas on places to go and things to do and, you know, how to, how to get to places. Uh, do you know, am I, am I asking for too much? And I know there's people out there saying, well, you know, you should be doing all this research yourself. Well, of course I can, but I want to hear from locals and, and hear what they think are the best things to do. I don't want to spend time on TripAdvisor and just go to wherever the tourists go because I'm not a happy tourist. I don't like to be in crowds of people. I, I just I want to go to places where the locals go, not the places where the tourists go. And the only way, only way to find places where locals go is to hear it from locals. So you're not going to get that stuff in a brochure in a an apart hotel lobby. I feel like I'm stepping on my soapbox here, but this to, to me this is this is really important. It's about hospitality. It's about thinking about your guests, where they're coming from, what they might like to do, and how you can help them as hosts to make the most of their time in your location. And it 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 always. It always bugs me about Airbnb have all done always done this thing about live, you know, go live like a local. Well, you can't live like a local if the locals aren't telling you how to live it. Does that make sense? Um, or helping, not not telling you, but helping you and giving you some assistance. So, yeah, in the, in that um, in that apart hotel, they could have also told us, and I know it was actually on the uh, uh, on their website. And I remember now seeing it, it said there was a laundry available. And, but I totally forgot, completely forgot. And, and it would have been nice to have run some through, you know, we'd been there four or five days. I would have loved to have run a few things through a washing machine and had no idea till the day we left and we were walking down the corridor and I just noticed a room 
uh, that I hadn't seen before. And I looked in and there was, there was laundry. There, was, there were washers and dryers in there. And they were for use of guests. But there was nothing in the information that we got when we got to the room that this existed. So it was interesting, you know, why have an amenity and not actually share it? Although you could say, yeah, it was on, it was on their website and maybe I should have looked better. Maybe I should have read it better. But, you know, once I, I'm so fixated on having these digital guides or having information available that makes your vacation simpler and easier to manage, particularly when you're traveling with other people that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just surprised that they didn't do it. Um, same with, uh, same with the lovely little place in, in Blissworth. There was just a single sheet in a folder and some menus from a couple of local pubs. Now, what I would have liked is, you know, which are your favorite pubs host? Tell me what you like to do. What are your favorite, you know, if you go out for a walk, what are your favorite places to go for a walk? Are there bakeries nearby? You know, you have this lovely kitchen. I would love to go out and get some nice fresh bread so that we can have that for breakfast. So those are the things that I'd, I'd love to see in a, a digital guide. And then finally, you know, going to the villa in Falcao, we were, it was advertised as being right on the doorstep of the Black Forest. And it was, it was nestled within the Black Forest and there were walking trails everywhere. But it was really down to us to sort of think, well, is this a good route? Shall we turn right here or turn left here? And there were signposts on these walking trails, but I have no idea where they were going to and if there was somewhere that was attractive and maybe had somewhere to go see when we got to it. We eventually found a bakery at the end of one of these walks and it took a little bit of trial and error about three days before we figured out the best way. And it was about three kilometres there, three kilometres back. It was lots of hills to climb and hills to decline on the way back. But it took three days to figure out the best route to get to this wonderful bakery. And it would have been so helpful to have that in a guide. And it would have been so simple. Just, you know, the ba- this is the bakery. And this is the route you take to get there if you want to go on foot. And we spent time finding a place to go out to lunch um, because there's lots of restaurants in the area. We found one on TripAdvisor. Once again, the owner's suggestions would have been much more, much more welcome. Um, When we stayed at the guest house in Hawley, first thing we did when we arrived is is, is said to our host there, where's the best restaurants? And he immediately reeled off because, you know, this is a different type of accommodation. He's there and he was a lovely guy called Kazim and he directed us to a couple of really, really good restaurants uh, for our two nights there. So that was absolutely wonderful. But for the other places, you know, the digital guide or, you know, a comprehensive manual on the table would have been so nice. So I'm really rambling on here. I want to uh, talk about a couple of things. Um, You know, let's talk kitchens before I finish. If you have a large house, you need to make sure you have plenty of fridge and freezer space, please. Um, We got to the place in the Black Forest and as I say, the kitchen was really, really small, very pokey, in fact, for a a big, big house. Um, but we made the most of it. But the, we opened the fridge and the freezer in particular was just a tiny little compartment at the top of the fridge. It's like, oh my gosh, we have just been shopping and we came back with all this stuff that needed to go in the freezer. 
because we're there for a week and we've got kids and, you know, you, you buy stuff that needs, needs freezing. So that was a bit, uh, that was a little bit frantic. And so what are we going to do with all this stuff? And eventually the guys found another fridge with a decent side freezer tucked away in a storeroom down, down in the basement. And, and I have to say, you know, they hauled out this, this fridge, we cleaned it out, we plugged it in and, uh, and it worked perfectly. And we actually left it in the place that we'd chosen for it, <laughs> but we, you know, we needed it. And I, and I think it's, I think it's really important that if you've got a big place, you've got to think about the refrigeration and, and freezer, uh, capacity for large numbers of people. I mean, that fridge downstairs turned itself into a beer fridge. It was jam packed with beer and wine and water for me. But otherwise, if we hadn't found that, um, we'd have been pretty stuck because we stopped. We, we, we just expected that would be plenty of fridge and freezer space for a property that slept 12 people. Um, and, uh, and we'd stopped and shopped on the way. So we didn't have to go out. And uh, so, yeah, we, that, that resolved itself. But it's, uh, it, you know, definitely a, a good thing to think about. So on the plus side, it there was just so much stuff in the kitchen. There were plenty of large pans, this massive casserole dish. I mean, we ate in for seven nights. We did not go out any any night. Um, it had sharp knives. It had great fry pans. And, and there was enough stuff for baking. My German daughter-in-law is a fantastic baker. And, you know, she, she, she dove in the moment she arrived to see what sort of baking pans there were. So she was making cheesecakes and bunt cakes and other things. And everything was there. Everything was there for her. She didn't miss out on any part of her baking repertoire, which I'm very, very pleased about. Just one thing to remember. Not everybody likes their coffee in tiny mugs. And there's so many places I've been to which have these little mugs. I, you know, I like, a, particularly in the morning, I've got to have a big cup of tea, a big mug. So even if, even if you just supply a couple of decent sized mugs. Think about it. Make sure you've got something for everyone. The other kitchens in Blissworth, beautifully laid out. Uh, as I mentioned the fry pan, which was, which was replaced, but it had everything and it had sharp knives. And maybe that's something, you know, I remember years ago, we used to talk about vacation rentals and they always had crappy knives and all the places we stayed at on the way back. And, and during had great knives. So I have nothing to complain about, you know, the basics when you've got, um, when you've got that many people, you've got to make sure there's enough toilet paper. And, and I see so many people say, Oh, I just apply one, you know, one per bathroom and it's a get you in thing. Come on. You know, for, for a property that, that you're paying maybe so, I mean, we paid 7,000 Canadian for a week at this property and we had plenty of toilet rolls and I expected that we would have plenty of toilet rolls, toilet paper. I would have been very miffed if I'd had to go out and, and buy extra. Um, same with dishwasher tablets. You know, I know these things are going to disappear. We've always said this. There will always be somebody who, who goes to a property group of guests and they gather everything that's left over and take it home with them. Well, fair enough. It's the cost of doing business. But you get more back from being hospitable and making sure that people don't run out of stuff while they're there. That is just my basic view. You know, when I was renting out my own properties, I 
always had a, a gazillion rolls of toilet paper and kitchen paper. Nothing ever went missing. But, you know, people would say, would mention it in the, uh, in their reviews, that it was so nice that they didn't have to go out and buy this stuff. Um, so this goes for, you know, toilet paper, dishwasher tablets, garbage bags, Ziploc bags, cling wrap and foil, that, all this sort of stuff needs to be there. And then, of course, uh, be- because we were there with four kids, there was always leftovers. And, and both my daughters-in-law, they both cook and anything left over goes into um, plastic containers and somebody will have it for lunch the following day. So it was great in these properties to find that there were plenty of, uh, of containers to use. Okay, before I finish, I want to talk about devices and adapters. You know, any property that may have overseas visitors would benefit from an adapter, a plug adapter. And we take our own. We had an adapter for uh, for the UK and then we bought another one for Europe. Um, but in fact, if you go onto Amazon, you can buy an international travel plug adapter for less than $20. Just having that means that anybody that comes from another country, at least if they forget their own, they have got at least one that they can plug in and they can plug their devices into it. Now, it might be an idea if you have, you know, if, if you do have a significant number of people coming from overseas, get a couple of these international travel adapters because your guests will love you for it if they've forgotten to bring them. And, you know, it's one thing that people do forget. They would forget. Now, I'd mentioned this on on the Facebook, you know, my, my Facebook group, which is the, the business of short-term rental and professional management. And I'd posted a picture of the 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 desk in the villa in Falcao and you know, strewn across the desk is a laptop, iPads, iPhones, Kindles. And in fact, when we counted them up, that we had 14 devices uh, between us, which actually not a great deal really, um, but 14 chargeable devices. Now we were all prepared and we'd brought our own chargers, but there, were, there was still, you know, everybody bought at least one charger. But of course, sometimes you've got three devices that need charging. So I'd, I'd mentioned in the Facebook group that it would be so nice to have USB outlets in vacation rentals. And a lot of people came back and said, yes, we do exactly that. You know, they're mostly positive with all sorts of suggestions on what to get. They co- you know, commented that they they can do a disappearing act. But you know, one solution is to have a, a box at the property, which is you can put your international travel adapters in it. You can put your USB charging cables and anything that will help your guests to stay charged up while they were there. Uh, so if you keep them all in a box and put a label on it saying, you know, please use and make sure you put these back in the box before you leave and then just put it on your checkout text. You know, I'm sure you send a checkout text to all your guests and you will say, you know, this is what you have to do before you leave. And then the last thing you say is, and don't forget to take out all our charges, put them back in the box. Of course, things will go missing. Of course they will. But, you know, there's ways of 
eliminating or reducing the risk of them going missing and just reminding them to take their own charges and leave your charges behind could be enough. Not to say that some won't go missing, but hey, they're not that expensive. They really aren't. Uh, A lot of people on that Facebook group talked about bedside lamps with USB integrations in there, you know, the USB ports integrated into a bedside lamp um, and had those put in every bedroom. And I think that's brilliant because, you know, certainly in every place we went, I wanted to have my phone beside the bed and my iPad and Kindle or whatever and have at least one of them charging uh, at a time. So that that was really, really helpful. Okay, uh, I did mention a bit about outside. We were in Europe during a heat wave and spent most of our time in most of the places outside. And it was lovely to have plenty of outdoor furniture and particularly in Falcao for all of us, all 12 of us, to sit outside at a table and have huge family meals. And certainly if you've, if you've got a large property that, are, that accommodates a lot of people, do make sure that you have outdoor seating for everybody. You know, there's no point in having a property that, that accommodates 12 or 14 and having a table for six outside. How can you sit outside and have this wonderful family experience if you don't accommodate that with outdoor furniture as well? Um, same going for around a fire pit. Make sure there's enough places for people to sit. Uh, shade is also important. You know, no real point in having outdoor furniture for people to sit outside on a sunny day if they don't, if you don't have some form of shade for them, umbrella, parasol, that type of thing. And finally, not one of the accommodation options gave any information to us between the booking and the stay. And there's so, I've, I've mentioned this over and over again, and it brings me back to Andy McNulty, who I had lunch with on my last day. He gave me uh, this concept of tumbleweed time. We did a joint presentation a few years ago. Tyan Marsink and myself did this, and Andy had put his slide in about the importance of communicating with guests between booking and, and the stay. So often you take your booking, you take the money, and then you take the final payment, and then they stay, and you don't have any communication with the guests at all. It is such, there's so much opportunity in that tumbleweed time, so much value. Helping your guests plan a vacation elicits loyalty and trust. You know, they, they will come to really feel that you are welcoming them. And that helps them through any difficulties they might have in the travel part of it. They're not going to take it out on you when they finally arrive because you've already created that relationship with them. So incidentally, both the Airbnb places I stayed at had business cards um, with an email address. So if I was to book again, I would go directly to them. I would attempt to book, uh, book directly, would not go back through Airbnb again. So I hope you've enjoyed that, uh, that reflection on, on my trip. I'm never wanting to be hypercritical of anywhere I stay. I always go in with a really open mind and I look at what's great, what could be better. Um, I will always, always message the host privately if there's anything that really merits any critique at all. But these were all great places. Um, I love them all. I'm going to put links to them all on the show notes if you want to go take a look, see where we stayed. 
and you know, just just in summary, you know, a couple of things I think that came out of this is make sure you provide charging stations, create a digital guide, communicate with your guests between booking and the actual stay, cater to your larger groups, making sure that that those larger groups that are going to eat in and are going to cook for themselves have enough equipment and, you know, a well-equipped kitchen in order to to do so. And most importantly, if you have inside knowledge of your area, of the location, just make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for listening. It's going to be a while, I think, before I get to go and stay at another vacation rental. Although I will be looking for something in in Florida, actually, for a week in January or February. It's got to be pet friendly and I'll be coming with um, with Mike and Andrea and the kids. I think we're going to have a, have a week away from our time. So if, if anybody's got anything that um, that might fit the bill, let me know. I'm definitely not going to book on Airbnb again, so I'd love to book directly with somebody. So uh, so let me know, and I'd, I'd love to come and stay at your place. Okay, that's it for, for this week. Be back to interviews uh, from next week. We've got a new sponsor coming on board, which is super, super exciting, and that will probably coming up next next week or maybe the following week, but I'll be sharing more about that next week anyway. So it's always, as ever, always a super pleasure to be with you. And thanks so much for listening. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.